0: everybody. What's going on? It's the Voices of Misery podcast. I'm, of course, the nerd, and I am solo today. My co-host is not in on this one because I'm doing an interview. And today I'm very excited about this one. This one, um, I actually found out about this uh, website, horrorfam.com, through a, a, a mutual friend named, named Josh. Um, he wanted me to say his name on the air, so there you go, Josh, Mr. JTEC himself. He actually uh, found the found the uh, website here, because he's, he's an aspiring writer, and he wrote a blog for the website, and he told me to check it out, and I did. And immediately, I'm like, hey, this is a match made in heaven. I love horror movies. I'm a true movie nerd. This is for me. So I've been checking out the website, waiting for the launch, which it did on October 1st. Very fitting, because horror Halloween. Perfect, right? Anyway, we have the proprietor, owner, CEO of the website, creator of this whole thing miss lauren spear on and i'm gonna bring her on right now how are you doing Miss lauren
1: hi <laughs> i'm doing really well
0: awesome awesome now you've been up for about 10 days now right today's the 10th of, yes. yeah, okay. so how's it been so far is it everything you hoped it would be as far as a launch has it been a big success
1: oh well um well, I guess that depends on what you consider a success. I mean, I've been happy. <laughs> I've been very pleased, yeah. Um, I'd, I'd love to get a little more action going in the forums, but, you know, it's kind of a catch-22 type of thing where, you know, nobody wants to sign up for an empty forum, but it's going to remain kind of empty until people sign up. So <laughs> we'll, we'll just have to keep working on the, the front end of things and posting blog posts and, you know, interacting with people on Twitter and you know, letting people get to know us through there, so that they feel comfortable enough to sign up and start chatting in the forums. And, and but other than that, it's been uh, fairly phenomenal. There's been uh, much more traffic than I anticipated, and it's it's been it's been a lot of fun. And I'm, I've. Josh is actually going to be writing another post for us. Uh, it'll probably be going up tomorrow if all things go as planned. And. Uh, yeah, I've, I've got to get cracking on writing some stuff myself, but I just started a new job, so I've got to try and balance my time. So.
0: <laughs> Balancing the time is very tough because, you know, obviously I do this podcast. I've been doing this podcast since January while holding a full-time job, and it's very hard to find that sweet balance because you start getting some sort of an audience and you have to provide content for that audience, and I can only imagine how much work running a website is. And you did bring up a good point about the about the forums because it seems like message boards in general were kind of like a lost art. I used to belong to tons of them like way back when, and it seems like with social media, people are using that more as like a meeting place, a conversation, you know, um, area. Uh, do you think that's part of the problem with the forum not really kicking off? Do you think it is because of social media?
1: It could be, um, and I actually bring that up in the about section of the website like why even bother with a forum in the 2000s when social media is around and it's just like um one of the things that I really missed about forums because you know I we're around the same age you and I we discussed that before the show and uh when I was a teenager you know growing up in the you know the late 90s and everything and uh forums were all the rage and and I just missed that very focused feel of forums whereas when you go on social media it's just kind of like you know sometimes you'll get people tweeting about horror or whatever and you'll follow them and then they'll just start talking about just random nonsense that you don't even care about (laughs) and Mm -hmm. and uh, um i and that that's fine you know that's 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 the way social media is and that's fine but with forums when you go into a forum that's horror focused you know that there will be the people there talking about horror and pretty much nothing else, and that yeah. is something that I missed. And you know, having that focus, and um, I wanted to bring that back.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think you're. Yeah, I, I think you really hit the nail on the head there. Focus. That's the key word here. And the thing that I like about the message boards. I used to be a big pro wrestling fan. And um, when you go to the message board, it would say general topic, you know, and then it would say WWE wrestling, WCW wrestling, ECW. And it was all categorized. So conversations were kept in the, the, you know, the respective forum. And then there'd be an off topic and like a sports area and people would keep the conversations neatly placed. And you're right, though, about like I have a Twitter account, obviously, and you have one as well. And we're going to plug all of that stuff, you know, at the end. That's where we save the plugs. And of course, Mm -hmm. I put the links in the description of the podcast, you know, so you guys are going to be able to find everything Lauren has going on. (laughs) <laughs> the thing about Twitter though was like, I can post something very innocent, you know, Um, hey, how are you guys doing today? Someone may say, hey, how are you, sir? And then someone goes, wait, why'd you call him, sir? You don't know his proper pronoun. And then, hey, blah, blah, blah. And then before you know, people are arguing and screaming at each other. It's like, all, all I did was say, hey, how are you guys doing? You know?
1: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <It's complete laughs>
0: awesome. So the structure and having moderation and things like that, you know, I um, and, and I haven't signed up for the forum just yet. I've been really busy, but I do plan on doing that as well, and and helping kick that off because I do miss that format. It was just it was just friendlier, you know, and it just had more direction. Something it I was, need. In my life.
1: It was very friendly, very focused, and it was also just less pressure too. Like, you know, if somebody posts something on a forum, you know that it's gonna be there. Um, in a few days for you to or you can search for if it if it gets you know lost you can search for it you can find it you can respond it to it in your own time with social media like everything goes so quickly that like if you don't respond immediately when it's there you're never going to find it again (laughs) yeah there's just like a lot of anxiety and pressure uh, uh with the modern forms of social media whereas like a forum which is you know it Forums have been around th- since forever. Like you know, they they were going on like the the way early nineties and everything. So, um, you know, it's just like it's very. It go, it harkens back to a nostalgic, more chill time when we could just take our time God. with things. <laughs> and um, and I thought that that was a good fit for the site in general because it, it is very sort of nostalgia-focused, even though it, it is also focused on the horror genre.
0: Sure. Now, now, why the name Horror Fam? Where did that come about?
1: Well, um, it just... You know, the hashtag, like hashtag horror fam, just like sort of a, a thing to let people know that, you you know, you're part of the community, you're part of the horror family. And like, just I just really liked that sort of family vibe um, to that and like how so many people in the horror community sort of just view each other as extended family. And I wanted a place for, you know. The family to hang out, and um I also like I make it a point to brand it as horrorfam.com, because the term horrorfam and the hashtag horrorfam, that's something that belongs to to all of us, to everyone. Like I don't own that, but I do own horrorfam.com, so that's why I brand it that way.
2: I,
0: I think that's awesome. Everyone needs a sense of community, a sense of belonging, uh, a quote-unquote tribe, if you will, you know. And this, uh, just a group of people that have a common purpose. It's It, it, it kind of reminds me of a bar, you know. I don't know if you ever saw the sitcom Cheers, you know, where everybody knows your name. That's why I kind of yeah. like <laughs> That's why I really like forums because, like, oh, it's uh, – Lauren Spear dot so and so or whatever your your username on there is, and like you go in there, you make a post. Oh, hey Lauren, how you doing? And, and it's like everyone knows each other because you know the screen name, you know the avatar, you know the quote under their uh, or or what what the hell, their signature. signature. Yeah. See, it's, it's been a very long time since so I created one of these things. But uh, it's like you 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 know them, you you associate their screen name with their personality. And I was a part of this one forum. Um, it, it was a PW forums. It, it used to be. And I was a member of that thing for like seven years, and there was a reputation bar. You know, people would give you rep, and you would just be like a superstar. Like, I would log in and I'd say, Hey, guys. And everyone would, Hey, what's going on? And it really felt like you belonged to something. So, I, I really do think that the Harfam name is really cool and is fitting with, with what you're trying to get, the mission you're trying to accomplish. So, I, I think
1: it's awesome. Well, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I just, you know. Um, Recently, uh, the HMA, uh, which was the Halloween Mask Association, uh, they had a a forum that had been up since forever, and they very recently, like maybe a week or two before HorrorFam.com launched, they finally went under, and it was just like, oh man, you know, like another, just one, another relic of the past just kind of disappeared, and that was one less place for for horror fans to get together and hang out and now it's gone and it's like oh well uh, i'm here <laughs> you know well maybe maybe um some of those you know those people are more than welcome to come over <laughs> to horrorfam.com we've got a section on monster masks and you know um
0: all the refugees s- can come over and find a new home at horrorfam.com
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> I well, just, it's yeah, yeah. so sad to see all these, these places that focused on horror just kind of going under, and, um, you know, it makes me a little <laughs> nervous, but um, but I think, that, you know, I I, right. I have my own motivations for keeping it around as long as I possibly can, so.
0: Yeah, well, why do you think that is? Why do you think that, like, all these horror sites are shutting down? I mean, I have my own theory, but why do you think that is?
1: It's mostly financial, um, at least from what I, the ones that I know personally, it's mostly financial. They just can't, uh, keep up with the costs of running things, um, either from, uh, literally a financial cost or just the time cost (laughs) that, you know, it takes a lot of work.
2: Now
0: I was thinking like, maybe like these things come in cycles, you know, and it's like you, you have your horror movies, and there was a big boom back in, like, the 80s, obviously, you know, with The Nightmare on Elm Streets, the you know, the Friday the 13th, the Michael Myers Halloween films. And then in the 90s, it's it, it, it kind of, like, went a little quiet, and the movies like weren't as, like, highly touted. Uh, and um, then, like, the mid-90s, you know, like, the slasher films kind of took over. And, and I don't know about people out there listening right now, but it really irritated me how they would brand some of these movies as horror, like – um. But that was that uh, Freddie Prinze Jr., Sarah Michelle Gellar, Jennifer Love Hewitt. That one though, it was like a slasher film. Oh, like,
1: I know what you did last summer.
0: Thank you. Yeah, and they were trying to say that was horror. I'm like, no, this isn't horror. But they, but that became the new horror, you know, and and and, and then it kind of got popular in that genre, the slasher genre, slash, you know, whatever like, uh, teenage. They called it horror, the teenage teeny bopper stuff, you know. And then it got popular again. I just think this these things just come in cycles. So we just need like the next big franchise to come out.
1: <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, horror has uh, gotten a lot of mainstream attention recently. I mean, it even got like some Academy Awards last year for a movie that was, um, you know, marketed as more or less a horror movie. And uh, you know, of course, the the new It movies, and just it's it's getting a lot of uh, mainstream attention. I think that's great. Um, but there's also a lot of uh, independent creators who are making really uh, amazing things in in all different uh you know forms uh like art and podcasts and um, you know movies and shows and <laughs> comic books everything um, who uh are getting a little bit left behind because uh as wonderful as it is that horror is in the, the mainstream, eye again, um, you know, I'd love for those independent creators to get more attention too, which is one of the reasons why um, there's a section in horror fam- the horrorfam.com forum that encourages creators to you know freely share what they're doing and you know get that free advertising in front of an ad- audience that um, is already predisposed to love the genre. And that isn't too helpful right now since there's nobody in the forums. But <laughs> later on, that that's going to be a wonderful place for, for free advertising, free marketing, um, you know, for people to get that, that social lightning they need to uh, have their It's a live moment with their creations. Yeah, yeah.
0: Now, I just want to take a quick step back here a little bit because um, I wanted to – because I got your bio. You, you sent me your bio and email before we uh, hooked up here for the podcast And there's something very interesting that struck out to me. Now, your parents, they did uh, special effects for horror and sci-fi films. So you basically grew up in the horror industry. And um, I got your bio. You uh, were talking about your parents there a little bit. And I thought this was really awesome. Now, they both did special effects for horror and sci-fi movies back in the 80s and 90s when, you know, some of my personal favorite movies came out. What did they work on exactly? What, 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 What movies were they involved with?
1: Oh, they were involved in, in some way or another. They were involved in <laughs> quite a few, a few things. Um, From Beyond, Critters Two, Beetlejuice, Class of 1999, The Blob tri- Trilogy of Terror Part, you know, Two, um, Little Monsters, The Alienation TV series, and all those uh, Alienation TV movies that came out afterwards. Um, uh, Star Trek 6 was a sci-fi one, um, Halloween 3, uh, uh, Halloween 2 as well, um, like, uh, yeah, um, yeah, even, even, like, Joe versus the Volcano, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle, like, uh, you know, just, they did, Jeez. they did a whole bunch of stuff, oh <laughs> I my. can't even think of them all, like, I, I'm sure I have a list somewhere, but, uh, I might need to unplug and stand up on a chair or something. I think my husband put put my uh, list of their things <laughs> higher I mean, than I can reach.
0: <laughs> I mean, like you had me at Beetlejuice. That was one of my personal favorite movies growing up. So.
1: Oh yeah, that one was that one was amazing. That was uh, the first movie that I saw in the movie theater, and it was the the cast and crew screening, and um, you know, it was just it was so much fun. You know, everyone went bowling afterward, and it's just like. You know, it's such good, great memories. Like I remember going down to the, to the Beetlejuice uh, effects shop and, you know, writing on the the sandworm and you know, <laughs> like all all the stuff. Yeah.
0: Now, what was the coolest thing that they were directly a part of creating on that set? Was there anything that like they used to like? Was it like that little guy, uh, like that, like the. um that that big body with the small head, the, the the shrunken Indian head guy, or like, did they make any of that cool stuff, or
2: what's oh, like? Oh yeah,
1: the... yeah. Um, pretty much everything, uh, because they were the the painters. So, um, oh, okay. Uh, they, uh, you know, other people would sculpt uh the props and whatnot and the um the appliance pieces and everything, and then they were the ones who would go through and paint everything and um. So, uh, so your house
0: coming up must have been awesome. You must have had a lot of cool shit hanging around.
1: Oh yeah, <laughs> we still do. Um, actually, my husband and I live with my parents because you know living in Los Angeles is kind of way too expensive for for newlyweds to to manage on their own. So we we live uh, with my with my parents, and they still uh, make things for private collectors. So. Like, the other day my my mom just walked by with a like a timber wolf mask uh, which is like a Don post mask from back in the day you know it's the kind of a, a white werewolf and she just walked by with that and <laughs> and you know there's always things passing by you know our room and it's just like my dad's always walking by with like a head on a stick you know <laughs> uh,
0: Oh my God. So, so wait, so, so growing up in this household with like severed heads, like werewolf parts and all this other crazy stuff. Yeah. I mean, like what, how scared were you walking around as like a four or five year old girl and like, you see like a severed hand just like crawling around on the floor, you know?
1: Oh no. Um, I wasn't scared at all. That's actually one of the things that, uh, (laughs) it's, uh, it's, you know, real life is frightening, but, uh, Like horror movies and stuff have never uh, scared me. I I, I've jumped. I like I jump at jump scares because I'm naturally a jumpy, nervous person. But I'm never. I get the jump, but not the scare. You know, (laughs) like um, uh, horror movies have never really frightened me. I've always found them uh, very comforting. Um, Like when I when my dad was working on Critters 2, I would go to that shop and. Um, you know, play with the critters, and, you know, I would walk up and kiss kiss all the critters on the critter ball that I could reach, and <laughs> it was just like, you know, that's <laughs> not frightening. Oh. These, are my, these are my friends. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, my God. I can only imagine how cool it must have been. So what about your friends coming over the house? Were they horrified by some of the stuff that they saw, or did they just take it all oh, in?
1: Oh, yeah. So cool. um. Some, 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 <laughs> some of my uh, my friends were were a little bit uh, skittish about uh, the monsters and stuff at first, but I think just because uh, we were so calm around them that uh, that made them feel a lot calmer as well, and um, they just kind of you know knew that we were weird and uh, grew to accept it, and um, it's just you know you. Uh, when you have a child, uh, in that environment, you just kind of make it very clear. Like these are fake, um, nothing to be afraid of everything. This, this is just a, you know, a weird looking little creature and he's not going to hurt you. And, um, you know, it just makes it normal and okay.
0: (laughs) You guys must have had the coolest looking house every Halloween.
1: Oh yeah. (laughs) so we also had the coolest looking house at Christmas too. Like, you know, like we we love all the holidays. Like we're we're (laughs) we're we're generally just, you know, like a lot of people think like, Oh, you're in the horror industry, you must be very morbid and creepy and everything is like, Yeah, well a little bit, but we're also, you know, we love Christmas and (laughs) just (laughs) So
0: so how did your family like get into the business? How did this start? Because you did mention the legendary Don Post and you know, his, his nickname is the Godfather of Halloween because he, if I'm not mistaken, was the one who created the William Shatner mask that later became the Michael Myers mask. That's correct. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So how did they get hooked up into this business?
1: Well, actually, there's um, there's a book. Uh, my parents were a part of Don's Post Studios uh, for over 40 years, and there's a book uh, by Lee Lambert. Um, about the history of Don Post uh, studios that goes into uh, quite a bit of detail about um, the the studios in in general and my parents in particular., uh, there's even like quite a few pictures of me in the book as I found out after it was published. <laughs> I was like, oh hey, it's, it's me as a child. Um, but um uh, my dad. Uh, as he says, just kind of fell into it, uh, bass ackwards, and, um, and you know, and, and then ended up being there uh, off and on for for uh, over forty years until they shut down in twenty twelve. And um, my mom uh, was uh, more of a kind of like a fine a fine arts person, like she did a lot of painting and sculpting and um, things like that, and, um, she wanted, uh, she, she wanted to get a job that involved, uh, painting, and, uh, saw, like, a job ad, and, uh, answered it, and it ended up being for Dompo Studios, and,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's been doing forty years. Oh my goodness. You know, and it, it's just a different time back then because most people can't even hold a job for four years or forty weeks, even. You know what I mean? It's just it's, abs- <laughs> it's absolutely nuts. So the fact that they stayed with him for that long just kind of shows that they did a great job, obviously. And 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 I, I see her too. And I and I got to ask you this, okay? It says that you dipped your hands in the blob. What the heck did they make that thing out of? What? Like, how exactly did they make the blob? Like, what was it?
1: Oh, okay. Um, so, basically, it was uh, silk uh, that was airbrushed. Um, and it was like a, a big piece of silk. And it had a bunch of little pockets on it. And the silk got airbrushed, you know, a nice pink color with a bunch of veins and cool things going on with it. And then um, the blob, uh, like the slime part of it, was just an obscene amount of methylcellulose, um, which is, um, it's, it's used in some foods. <laughs> um, it's just kind of like a... Food slime, <laughs> but yeah, methyl cellulose, right. and um, it was like pink tinted. And um, then uh, whenever they'd have a have a scene with the blob, they'd put pour a whole ton of methyl cellulose onto the pink silk, and there would be um, people underneath it, kind of manipulating the silk to make it look like it was, you know, blobbing around. Yeah. And it was, it was. Um, uh, sort of terrible for for the people, oh, working working on it. But it looked awesome on film.
0: <laughs> yeah, it really did. I, I mean, I, I thought that looked phenomenal in the movie. I mean, like some movies don't age well, and like that's probably one of them because like you can definitely see the cheese factor in it before its time. It looked phenomenal. And oh
1: like, yeah, it's got really... some of the the best death scenes in, in any <laughs> horror movie in my <laughs> opinion. Like yeah,
2: it's uh, it really
1: it's, it's really awesome. Yeah. <laughs>
0: So I mean, like you grew up around a lot of stories obviously because like they were around a lot of sets and I'm sure they brought you to a couple of sets too so who was the coolest actor or actress or like who was this really cool to, like of all the big stars you' do you know, like Michael Keaton, Gina Davis, you
1: know and, uh, so- Gina Davis is really tall, <laughs> but you know, I was like two years old, so everyone was really tall at that time but um, yeah,. Uh, well, a, a lot of the people, uh, my, my parents would have more, uh, detailed stories about than I would, but, um, you know, my, my mom to this day speaks very fondly of Michael Keaton and how, just how amazingly nice he was to, to everyone that he would, you know, come, come down and check out this, the special effects during Beetlejuice and joke around with everyone and was just, just such a kind man. She's, she still speaks very highly of him. And, um just i don't know it seems like almost everyone uh who uh works in the horror genre is just so nice um yeah like <laughs> i think it's uh, really cool yeah and a lot of the character actors and stuff like uh uh dan roebuck uh is is a super sweet guy uh chuck williams uh he was in a uh, soul soul taker, um, and he's he's still doing things today. He's a character actor, and he's he's a real sweetheart. And um, Doug Jones, uh, uh, if if anyone <laughs> if if anyone wants to like follow Doug Jones on like Twitter or Facebook or something, he interacts with people constantly, and he's just a total That's sweetheart. True. Like like ev- everyone is just you know like I, I can't really think of too many people that. I would be like, mm, well, you probably shouldn't bother with. <laughs> you know, pretty much everyone is is really nice.
0: <laughs> well, what was Doug's Twitter handle? If you know it off the top of your head, for people out there that may be interested.
1: Oh, uh, let me see. Let me see. Uh, I've got my computer open right now. I think it's just uh, actor Doug Jones. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, now, he's that... got a, he's got a blue check mark and everything.
0: <laughs> oh, he's got that blue. You know what? Like like they stopped doing that supposedly, but. New accounts are coming of like famous people's kids. Like, I think, um, some actor and actress they had like a baby. I think it was Venus Williams, actually, not an actor, but like the uh sports star, the tennis player. She had like a baby and they created a Twitter account for the baby. Blue check mark instantly. People were nuts about that damn thing. <laughs> yeah, I, I, really... don't,
1: I don't have a blue check mark on any of my accounts.
0: <laughs> oh, you, you are well on your way, my friend. But <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> it it <it's> really <laughs> it cool doesn't here. really
1: matter, but <laughs> thank you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, well, I would love to know from someone, and, and I've had a couple blue check bark people on this show, I would love, like, so what does that give you exactly, you know, I, I really want to know. But that's awesome to hear about Michael Keaton, though, because Michael Keaton is one of my favorite actors, and, uh, you know, it's just cool to hear that he's a good guy behind the scenes, so I was...
2: Yeah, really yeah.
0: <laughs> and, and also, um, so you were never scared by horror movies or anything like that, but you have had a few traumatic real-life experiences. Um, oh, there, yeah, they, many. They, yeah,
1: sure. <laughs> What's that?
0: Is there, are there any that you care to share with us here?
1: Oh, I mean, um, on my on my own, like my, I guess, uh, my freelance writing site where I, because uh, in real life when I'm not doing this, <laughs> I'm a, a freelance writer and an editor, so I uh, have a, a website uh, at littlezots.com. dot okay. uh, com. Was littlezotswriting. writing? And I, I, if, I don't, I'm I not sure if you're familiar with uh, the movie uh, Zots by William Castle.
0: No, never heard of that one. What's it about?
1: Okay, well, um, William Castle is the guy who made, you know, House on Haunted Hill and The Tingler and Homicidal and like all those movies. And he also did a uh, sort of a comedy movie uh, based on a, a novel of the same name called Zots. And um, my dad has, has always been like really, really into this movie, and uh, you know, to the point that you know his license plates says lots and all that <laughs> stuff. And um, uh, we uh, were back when he was alive. We were friends with uh, Forrest Ackerman, um, who is the man who in- invented the the term sci-fi and started Famous Monsters magazine and and all that stuff and um you know he he was such a such a lovely man he ended up giving me the Zot's coin from the movie Zot's You still and have it? I do. <laughs> oh, that's,
0: awesome. that's so cool.
1: Yeah, um I don't know if you can see it in my uh my little Skype uh profile pic but I'm holding it.
0: <laughs> I can see it.
1: That's awesome. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so we were like um the Zot's family, you know was like our nickname in certain circles and since i was the the youngest and the smallest i was little zots and so when when i opened up my my writing business i called it little zots writing so that's the backstory on that anyway that was a a long ramble to get to what i was going to say
0: No, Uh, believe believe me we we appreciate hearing the voices of misery these people have to listen to me ramble long enough so it's great to hear another voice
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, anyway, over on um I posted a, a very long personal account of um, my history with uh, depression and, you know, basically all the traumatic events that, that happened in my life that made my depression what it was and, uh, you know, everything that led up to uh, I had a suicide attempt in 2014 and... Um, that was kind of the, the turning point in my life where I finally, uh, got, uh, help and, uh, you know, (laughs)
0: yeah, trust me, I understand. Um, Yeah.
1: yeah, so there, that was kind of the, the low point and, uh, then, you know, it's, but that was like half a decade ago now. So, uh, things are going much better.
0: <laughs> oh, obviously. I mean, you're still here. And um, did you did you get help, or did you did you talk to anybody? See anyone?
1: Yeah. Well, um, I uh, what happened was uh, in in 2014. I uh, you know I uh, slipped slipped my wrist with a box cutter, and I was bleeding out and everything. And then um, my roommate at the time. Uh, called 911 and they they came and and got me and um, you know got got me all stitched up and everything and and at the time the doctors like oh you know was this a suicide attempt you know like eh. and then I was like no <laughs> just kind of you know just one of those things whoops <laughs> and, and then they're like well unless you say the words we we can't lock you up so we're gonna send you home. And then, uh, so they, they sent me home and then like, I was like, well, that was dumb of me. I'm not going to do that again. And then like two weeks later, I'm like, I'm going to do that again, but not mess up this time. <laughs> and I'm like, and then this time I'll like leave a note or something. And, uh, and then that time, um, uh, my, my other friend uh, called the cops on me and they, they dragged me off to a mental institution and, um, I was stuck there for a while and um after that i my experience in the mental institution was uh extremely uh terrible and i actually linked to my review of the institution within my article on my site so if anybody wants to know about how bad this place was they can but um but that kind of even though uh, that place wasn't especially helpful for me, um, seeing the other people who were, like, trapped there and dealing with their own struggles and talking to them uh, made me want to uh, better myself so I could help other people. But I realized that, you know, I can't help anyone if I can't even help myself, so I, I put in the work to, to uh, work on myself and, uh, you know, went to You know, I was on medications and um, went to years and years of therapy. Um, And, uh, yeah, my last therapy visit was in June of 2018. And then since then, I've managed to get off um, all of my medications. So, uh, you know, I'm not on any medications, not going to any therapy anymore, but um, doing really well. (laughs)
0: I think that's better. And the thing is, is I also suffer. And and the reason why we're we're talking about this is because, like you you had mentioned before, they had mental health issues. And I was immediately, I perked up. I'm like, wait, you too? Because I talk about it a lot on my podcast. And I do a solo show, one that I don't do with my co-host. And it's just like a half hour I go on and I talk about my mental health issues and things like that. So I was incredibly happy that you said that you you, you have the same issues because it's nice to talk to someone who has the same thing.
1: Well. um, uh, I don't know. If, do Do we have the same thing? What's your What's your diagnosis? <laughs> what,
0: what's my ailment? Okay, so about yeah. a decade ago, I, <laughs> I I I was diagnosed with depression, anxiety, and bipolar disorder, bipolar one. Oh,
1: so, okay, yeah, that's a that's a tricky one.
0: Oh yeah, and um, <laughs> like I get these surges of like emotion in in my head sometimes. So. And and the smallest things can trigger it. So, for instance, like like I have a, a, a job where I work in a retail environment and I'm in management.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: if I hear something from upper management, I immediately think I'm going to get fired and my brain can start oh, off. Oh, yeah. A- <laughs> so I think things are going great. I can start my day off really happy and I could hear the smallest thing that will trigger instant sadness or paranoia. And I'm freaking out. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to get fired. I'm going to get fired. And then I go out there and I have a good day. And then I'm like, all right, cool. I saved myself. And then every day it's the same thing. And if I have to have a conversation with somebody, like my area manager will come down once in a while. I'll have a conversation with him in my head probably a thousand times and it'll keep me up all night long. So oh, I- yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah.
1: The- like oh. even when we were exchanging emails and stuff, like I go back and like, wait, what I say to him? Do I, do I sound crazy? <laughs> like, there's always that, that anxiety there. Like, even when you've been doing something for years and years or you're talking about something that you've talked about a million times, it's just like, wait, what I say? <laughs> well,
0: like, that's what I'm trying to get across here with the podcast. It's like, you don't have to have any anxiety, but I have it, too, because I've had this conversation a hundred times before we even got on the air. And it's, it's crazy because all we're doing is having a conversation, and we've already been talking for almost 40 minutes and everything's mm-hmm. going fine. But people in our situation don't ever see it that way. We always think we're going to make a mistake and we want to get it perfect and we're freaking out, you know, and like you're, you're going from here to there and all over the place. And
1: yeah, and it's like, what, what did I say in the last 40 minutes? that's going to make somebody hate me and <laughs> come after me on Twitter, or, you know, whatever it is. It's just like, oh no. <laughs>
2: yeah,
0: exactly. So, and, and it takes a while, but you relax and you start to get into a groove and things just happen. And it's it, it's it's nice and refreshing to talk with someone else who kind of feels the same way because living with anxiety sucks. and 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 just going back to what I was saying because I tend to ramble a lot too and go off track here, so I'm trying to get back on what I was trying to say before. It was about a decade ago, I was, you know, I was diagnosed with all this stuff. They gave me like a handful of medications. I can't even remember the name of all of them. I, I remember Zoloft was one of them, and they gave me a couple other things with really long names that I can't remember. And I was taking them for a while. And the, and the thing about the medication was you have to take them every day for a certain amount of time before it starts to kick in. And I'll never forget the day it kicked in. I was working at a Staples. And this is going over a decade ago. And I was climbing up a ladder. And when I was climbing up the ladder, I was, like, feeling okay. And then all of a sudden, I felt like this cloud go over my head. And it was like I was seeing stars. And everything started to fade to black, kind of like a movie scene. And I got really hot. And it was I was living in New York at the time. And it was really cold outside. And I and I remember I, I, I went out there, I took off my, my, my work shirt, and I'm sitting there shirtless outside. And I was just, you know, trying to get my, my mind back. And I was like, what the hell's going on here? And it was the medication. I was having all sorts of weird, crazy, explicit dreams. And I was like, wait, I was less crazy without these things. So I stopped taking them, you know. And I don't know if you had the same kind of thing because you said you're off medication now, too. So I kind of like to get your perspective on what medication did to you.
1: Oh my gosh, um, well, <laughs> I was on the medication, it, it turned out for much longer than was recommended, and I, I go into that on, on the that lengthy blog post I mentioned as well, um, and just, it's so weird, because like I was mostly on uh, SSRIs, which they're now finding out um, work about as well as a placebo, <laughs> and it's like, well it's like (laughs) but they have just a whole host of uh, side effects and it was one of the weirdest ones that I had Uh, personally I was on um, Lexapro was the one that I was on um, you know first and never got off until uh, earlier this year and you know I had they they lumped on a bunch of other stuff uh, in between but um, that one was just the constant one, and one of the weirdest side effects for for that one is uh, sometimes you'll just get random fits of yawning. Like you'll be, you could be invested in the most uh, intri- intriguing conversation you've ever had, and you'll just start yawning like you're bored out of your mind. And it's just like <laughs> it was really awkward because like and. You you couldn't control it. You couldn't stop it, and it and it would last for for several minutes sometimes. And it was just like, like I'm oh I'm so sorry. You're so interesting, but I can't. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> like,
0: <laughs> like. yawning doesn't necessarily mean you're tired. Do you think the the medicine like like prevented your body from processing oxygen correctly? Because that's why people yawn; they gotta take in more oxygen. At least that's what I thought.
1: Um. I'm not sure. Like it's, it's a fairly common side effect I found out later, but, uh, <laughs> it was, it was definitely the weirdest one, but, uh, man, you know, those, the, those medications, like the side effects were just like, oh man, like I was starting to rack up some serious medical bills, um, oh. from trying to treat all the side effects from my medication that was supposedly making me, you know, sane. So <laughs> I was just like, oh man. And then, um, you know, I had, I had weaned off of all of the other ones, but I, 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 stayed with the Lexapro cause I'm like, well, you know, these, these side effects are a small price to pay for, for keeping myself sane. But then, um, in, in May I lost my insurance and then I was like, well, that's a sign. <laughs> so that's when I, I ended up, I quit cold Turkey.
0: Oh, that's hard to do. to quit the medication oh Oh, yeah
1: it it was rough and it for and um yeah quitting the medication was uh was really that that was hard um i should go back in and and update it because i i got through the the main symptoms were over uh withdrawal symptoms were over in like about four days and then it was just like little little things that didn't really matter too much like like very vivid uh, dreams and whatnot went on for a couple months but about a little almost two months after I I quit cold turkey I ended up uh, with like a very weird uh, thing where I couldn't eat meat because it just tasted rotten and weird and I love meat like I'm not a vegetarian at all (laughs) like um I'm I'm totally into you know like a a good rare steak and everything and um I later found out it was because um it was it was happening with foods that um were high in serotonin
2: Oh, okay. Okay. See now and, hmm.
1: Yeah. And basically, you know, I was having like massive taking massive massive doses of like, you know, serotonin um you know uh medication and um and then when um sorry, do you hear that thumping? That's my cat knocking on the door. Oh my
0: goodness, your cat did that oh we used to have a cat, just real just real quick sidebar here. Um, her name was Periwinkle and she used to open doors. Like she used to put her hand in, in open doors and shit. I thought it was the weirdest thing. And she knew her name. If we called her a name, she would turn her head. All of our cats knew their names. Like individually, it was the weirdest thing, but God. Oh
1: yeah. Our cat, our cats know their names too. And, uh, we, <laughs> we have one cat. Um, we have three cats and, um, Flex, stop. <laughs> <laughs> and Flex just she's got a thing against closed doors. Uh I closed the door for the for the podcast to keep out, you know, the outside noise and she's she's really angry about it because she insists that all the doors in the house be open at all times. <laughs> <laughs>
0: It just sounds just like periwinkle, just like her.
1: <laughs> anyway, the thing with the meat and the serotonin, uh, basically, since I was taking like these massive doses of serotonin with my uh, antidepressants, uh, when I got off them, uh, my body then, you know, craved serotonin, and that's in like, you know, uh, most meats, and um, there's, there's other foods that are high in serotonin, but my brain's blanking out, but um. And so I'd be, like, really intensely, like, craving red meat, and then I'd go to eat it, and it would taste just the worst. (laughs) And I I was so angry, and I couldn't understand what was happening. But basically, in order to counteract that, um, you have to have, like, a balance of uh, dopamine to um, digest the serotonin properly (laughs) when Mm -hmm. things are, like, unbalanced, so... Um, so my husband and I ended up joining a gym, which we were going to do anyway, because we're fat, but, <laughs> um, but we ended up joining a gym so that I could go and like exercise really hard before, before meals so that the meals would taste right. <laughs> yeah,
0: sure. Now, now if you're a big meat eater, may I suggest something to you? The keto diet.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, um, it's funny because I actually work for—I'm um, the associate editor of um, a women's uh, health and fitness uh, publication, and uh, one of the one of the diet trends that we've been covering is the the keto diet, and um, I don't think it's for me because I'm I'm also too much into bread. <laughs>
0: Sure. I used to be as well. And, and, and let me just give you like a really quick background here in January of this year, uh, January 1st, it was my new year's resolution to try keto and actually stick to it for once. So I weighed, uh, 280 pounds around there, or like 284. Now t- today I just got weighed on 178 and this is just doing keto. So I dropped over hundred pounds oh. and I don't exercise or do anything. All I do is eat meat and I eat everything that I enjoy except for the carbs to the sugar and everything I'm like you no know, soda and stuff like that.
1: Yeah. so I mean
0: it's very easy. I'm a very lazy guy I have a very sedentary lifestyle I, I sit down a lot play video games you know and it's very it's very easy so you'd be surprised.
1: Okay well'm um, I'm, I'm actually doing pretty well uh, last last year around this time I was 320 pounds and now I'm 260. Oh
0: there you so, go. That's a, hell of a, that's a hell of a loss right there.
1: Yeah. <laughs> My mom has been doing this thing where she's she's got a barbell out in our living room and um every time like I lose some weight she adds like another weight to weight to the barbell <laughs> and then she has me pick it up. It's like that's that's how much, you know, that's how much fat you lost. That's that's what you used to carry around on your body. And so I, like I lift it up and it's like, Oh yeah, this is this is how heavy I used to be.
0: It's very creative, actually. I like that idea. That's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, <laughs> eventually it's going to be too hard for me to lift. But <laughs> oh,
0: there you go. There's. Oh, yeah. like, I this thing to the point where I can't pick it up anymore. Yeah. <laughs> now let me ask you a question here, because you because you have gotten off medication. You were on it longer than I was. I, I only took the medication for about two months, and I and I had enough because I I felt changes inside of myself. I was I, I just wasn't who I who I'm supposed to be. Now, have you ever, um, like tried CBD? And you do live in in LA on the West Coast, so you can have access to something I can't here in South Carolina <laughs> with marijuana.
1: Um,
0: do you indulge?
1: because
0: uh, <laughs> <laughs> I sure as heck do, you know. But I can't just walk to the corner store and get it.
1: Well, it's definitely available here.
2: <laughs> I bet. Yeah.
1: Um. Uh, no, not really. I mean, um. I don't know. I just, I don't.
0: uh, So what relaxes you then? Because like for me, like I don't do it every day, but on the occasion when I can get my hands on like an edible or something, I'll take it. And I feel like, and I don't know if you can relate, but I feel like a screw, you know, how how, like a loose screw just kind of hangs above whatever it's like hanging out of. It feels like that screw has been tightened and I feel like everything's fine tuned in my head where all my thoughts are straight. That's what Me. I don't know if like so how do you deal? How do you cope with your mental illness?
1: Um well <laughs> uh, gosh, that's a that's a hard one. Um honestly some days I don't.
2: Um
0: like how do you keep it under control? Does like is your husband like a big help? Do you pet your cat? Oh
1: yeah. Something? Um my husband's just he's a huge help. Um, he's, he's just the, the best, like, <laughs> um, but, uh, let's see. Um, I'm trying to think of like what I do that could be like replicated for, for other people, like who are having trouble. I get, well, 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 first of all, I guess I should go back to like what my, my actual like diagnosis was since you, since you were kind enough to share yours, I should be, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm the very my- open. But uh, I have uh, OCD and general anxiety, major depression, and um, I also had uh, a a decade-long case of PTSD.
0: Oh, what triggered your PTSD, if you don't mind sharing? Uh,
1: Mostly uh, it was triggered by uh, uh, I was uh, raped on... uh, January 1st of 2008 and um so that that kind of messed me up <laughs>
0: well I mean, yeah that's that's understandable
1: yeah um uh, but uh well I'd always had kind of like under underlying like twinges of you know PTSD like symptoms because uh for for me um I was born without my right hip, and um, it, it wasn't really discovered until I got to the age where I was supposed to be uh, walking and I wasn't walking because I didn't have a right hip. <laughs> and uh, so when they when they found that out, I ended up um, you know uh, uh, getting a hip hip replacement surgery. Through uh, bone grafting, and that left me in a, like a full body cast for about uh, eighteen months. Oh
2: my god!
1: And so I didn't start. I didn't even start walking and everything until like much later on in my life. Um, you know, I was still very young, but it was later than most normal people would. You know, so my development was a little late in some areas. And then, uh, um, uh, but just, uh, you know, going through that intense, like, uh, surgery and the pains from surgery and, uh, things like that, that kind of like really, uh, messes with your, your psyche. Um, so, so, uh, you know, just, just a series of traumas throughout my life that, that, Led to, led to, you know being being a little uh, weird as an adult, and then. Uh, um, but uh, when I first went um, to the uh, PTSD specialist, um, they they have you take like tests every every uh, you know couple weeks or whatever to like judge like what percentage PTSD you have and when I first went in I was at like 94% um, on the the medical scale and then uh, and then by the time I got through with uh, the treatments I I was at like a three so that's that's all taken care of that's all good now.
0: (laughs) Uh, what is the scale though? Because you said you're a three, but what is the scale like? Is a three good or is that in the middle?
1: Um, well, it's like from like from like one to a hundred or whatever. So and like,
0: hundred's the worst.
1: No, or... no, that would be like the highest. Yeah. Oh, oh, okay, okay. So like when I went in, I was like at a, like a ninety-four or something, which is like right up there with like war veterans and everything. <laughs> <laughs> And so like, I I was not doing well. And then by the time I was done with the treatments, I like, um, they were like, you know, medically speaking, you don't you don't have PTSD anymore. You're good. So
0: well, well God bless you for getting out of that. Um, and I, why the hell did I just say God bless you? I don't even believe in God.
1: <laughs> that's okay I, I do i accept it
0: <laughs> <laughs> a lot of my longtime listeners are like wait a second did he, let me rewind that did he just say that you know
2: <laughs>
0: but yeah like it's it, it's really good to hear that uh you know you made peace with everything because so did i um and and i don't have any like interesting stories of how mine got triggered it just did i mean from, like yeah. i I can kind of pinpoint the age when it happened I was about it was between the age of twenty four and twenty five something happened that changed me I used to be very social I used to be very fun to be around I used to be easy to be friends with and now I'm the exact opposite I can't make friends I can't talk to people outside of like the podcast which is odd I'm an introvert but I can do this it's weird
1: yeah um, i uh it's it's so funny cause- very talkative and and whatnot but in person i'm uh, much more reserved
0: <laughs> what do you think it is do you think it's the like the being anonymous um the fact that like like we're looking at each other right now as far as like we're not doing live video we're just doing the audio and we're having a good conversation do you think like it's just being anonymous just being on the internet and the fact that like you you you're not surrounded by people that makes it easier to talk online
1: I well, I'm not really entirely sure what's going on with this podcast. I think it's just the the format is very comfortable and everything. And um, you're you you've uh, were talking to me beforehand, and um, I felt comfortable talking to you. And um, because a lot of the time I don't really talk much. Uh, out loud and in, in general like for me it's easier to converse with people online because it's mostly with uh, writing
2: yeah
1: and um, you know one of the reasons that I, I uh, became a writer and uh, love writing so much is because um, I'm much better at communicating uh, via writing than I am uh, with speaking
0: well, like, like, there's a thing too out there where people they have a, a form of expression that they feel most comfortable with. Some people just don't talk, even though they have the they have the ability to, and some people that can not talk have the ability to, you know, talk to each other in other ways. My daughter, she's autistic. She's nine years old, and she was nonverbal for a long time. And her form of communication, we used to have a booklet with pictures of different things in the household. So if she was hungry, she would put her hand to her mouth, and we grab the booklet and we flip to the food page and we would have like pictures of things with like, like a Velcro attachment. And if there yeah. was like apple, she would grab the apple and pull it and hold it up to us, So we get it for her. So she knew what she wanted to say. She just didn't know how to say it. And I think the two of us may have some form of that where we can only express ourselves in certain situations where we feel comfortable. And thankfully it's, my daughter. It's possible. Talk. Yeah. Yeah. Like now, like now my daughter talks. So, I mean, everything's. Oh, yeah, oh my goodness. I, I never thought it would happen. And I think that might've been, and she's nine. So, I mean, maybe that's where a lot of my uh, anxiety came from was just dealing with having that and just kind of blaming herself for that whole thing. So I, I don't know. It's just, it, it's just tough, you know, and it, it's hard to, to kind of figure out like when or why something happened or what triggered, you know, the, the, the quote unquote downfall of our mental health, but it's, it, it definitely is therapeutic to talk about it. So it, it's very nice to have someone to talk to right now. And, um, and I do my solo show. Where I talk by myself, and it's nice just to hear the words come out of my mouth for people to hear, you know. And it, it, it's just good.
1: Yeah, I'm. I. I mean, I try to be as open about it as I possibly can. Um, especially like, um, you know, I'm not like a phenomenal success or anything. But the more successful I get, I. I feel the more important it is to be open and honest about, you know, these, these struggles because. Um, I never want people to look at me and be like, oh well, um, she doesn't she doesn't know what it's like. She she could never understand and like I, I could I could never do what she does because, you know, she's so perfect or whatever. And it's like, no, no, no. <laughs> like um um like there was somebody that wrote to me um a while a while back who um uh was you know, very uh, enamored with my with my website, and um, was just going on about you know like my blog has won several awards at this point, and I'm like you know I could I could never do what you do because I have this that and the other mental health thing, and it's like no, well me too. <laughs>
0: well, it's good you're giving people inspiration.
1: I I hope so. You know, it's just I don't know. It just um, I I don't want to get like too political or anything because it's gonna get me in trouble. But I noticed that on some of your other shows, uh, you you were talking about like uh, SJWs and whatnot.
2: <laughs> oh
0: goodness, <laughs> yeah. we're gonna get in trouble here. But go ahead.
1: Oh, but yeah, it's just like the the whole privilege thing really gets to me because it's like people people in uh, certain. Uh, groups will look at how you know how little melanin i have in my skin and make assumptions about <laughs> what a privileged life i lead and it's well, like I... well, no it's like i i went through like poverty and i you know i just
0: my whole thing with that too is like it, it's all subjective and like no one has ever been asked you know or or Let me rephrase it. No one's ever chosen how they were brought up. I mean, like you're just given a life you're given and you have a choice in life. You can either be successful or not successful. And here's a quick little story that a a guy told me. And it's not really like a a long thing, but let me just tell you how it is here. So picture a guy riding a bicycle, right? He and he stops at a red light next to a guy walking. The guy walking looks over the guy on the bike and he goes, man, I wish I had a bicycle. The guy on the bike takes off. He hits the next red light. He looks over at a guy in a beat-up car. And he goes, man, I wish I had a car instead of the stupid bike. Guy in the beat-up car drives to the next red light, looks over. sees she's the guy in a, you know, like a nice convertible. He's like, oh, man, that's a nice that's a nice convertible. Wish I had that. The convertible goes up. He sees a really, really, like a much better car, you know, like a, like a freaking Ferrari sports car. Man, I wish I had that sports car. The sports car guy drives up. He sees the guy in a beat-up car. again. he goes, man, I wish I had that beat-up car. I wish I didn't have this goddamn car payment, you know. And it's like. No matter what you have, there's always someone that has something you want, no matter what it is. And we yeah. all have choices in life to get what we deserve or what we want.
1: Yeah. So, I, hope that <laughs>
0: makes, I hope that makes sense.
1: Yeah, it's just, you know, it, it's, it just seems so... It's so... I don't know, like, I can't even find the right words to...
2: Oh, I understand where you're it's going. It's so
1: it's so discouraging to have those kind of like assumptions thrown around, and like I, I know that I, I right now like my life is very blessed. You know, I, my both of my parents are still alive, and um, I just got married in April, and you know I have wonderful pet cats and two pet hamsters, and, and like I I have a, a wonderful a uh, life full of many blessings, but it d- doesn't mean that it was easy to get to this point or
0: <laughs> Yeah, we all yeah. we all have our issues. We we all do. I mean I, I grew up without, you know, the best lifestyle I guess. You know, like we didn't have a great house or anything like that. Um, yeah,
1: like, like I, I entered the workforce at fourteen and oh boy. Um just, you know, <laughs> like
0: <laughs> Oof. Jeez, fourteen, what the, what else did you do like like we're at a grocery store or
1: Oh well um, I was, uh, I was working as, a basically I was working at, um, my, my high school's, uh, cafeteria, but you had to be, legally, you had to be, uh, 15 with a work permit in order to, you know, to, to work, and I, uh, I fudged my, uh, birth date on the, <laughs> on the work permit so that I could, um, so that I could get in, uh, a, a bit early, and, um, you know, I said I was born in nineteen eighty four instead of nineteen eighty five and uh by the time they found out about it I was actually fifteen, so <laughs> they were okay. like, eh, we'll just let it slide. <laughs> and you know, I've I've been working ever since. Like uh I I haven't really stopped, so
0: And now look at you got your own very own website, harfam.com. dot com.
1: I do, so- yes.
0: So so how about we get into the meat of everything here? I mean, like we just talked for an hour about life and mental health. It's pretty cool stuff here. And and, and that's the kind of environment that I want. When I started this podcast, I really wanted to have people with just varying lifestyles. And I've interviewed, you know, uh, this guy, he was the writer of the Attitude Era, you know, like the greatest wrestling writer of all time, Vince Russo. I've yes, interviewed-
1: I, I actually listened to that episode. <laughs>
0: I've interviewed, you know, adult entertainers and just random people, a homeless woman they marry uh, and, and and now you and it's like, this is exactly what I want the show to be, you know, interesting people with different lifestyles. But now I want to get into the meat of this whole thing because your website is horror fam and this is what brought everyone here. They you want to hear about horror movies and who better to ask than someone who grew up in the industry or around it, you know?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So let me ask you this, okay?
1: Well, there's probably plenty of better people, but I'm here. <laughs> <laughs>
0: There's always better. There's someone better to interview you. There's you know that there's always someone better, and that goes back to, the analogy I go with the car, with the Mercedes, and the car. <laughs> yeah.
1: everybody,
0: everybody wants what you know the opposite of what they have, you know. But anyway, so what is the scariest movie? And oh, would- actually,
1: oh, I'm sorry. Before before we uh, move on, uh, that would that would actually be one of the the tips that I have for people who are dealing with uh, depression and anxiety is. Don't, uh, don't focus on what you don't have, uh, focus on being happy about what you do have. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. Like you see, and, and, and like, just to kind of like f- further uh, elaborate on that for in my own personal life, I never wanted to win a million dollars. I never wanted to be a billionaire. The only thing I want in life. And as I get older, I'm 37 years old. Um, I just want, and we recently purchased a house about five years ago here in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, shout out to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, um, we have a certain number in our head of, you know, how much we have until the house is paid off. I talk about it in the podcast a lot. And once my house is paid off and once, you know, like we get to a certain place in life, where we don't have to worry about, you know, keeping a roof over our heads. Everything's paid, you know, and to me, that's, that's being rich. That's being wealthy. It's not having to worry about things. You don't need all the money in the world. You just need to be in a place where you're comfortable and you have something that you can give to future generations. Like, like our two girls, if we have two kids. Just something to leave to them, you know, just in case they ever get in a buy and they can have this and sell it and do whatever they want. Live in it, you know, have it. To me, that's true wealth. I don't know what your definition would be, but to me, that would be.
1: Oh yeah, um, absolutely. Um, just having that security of like everything's okay, <laughs> like we have a roof over our heads. You know, we we've got food in the fridge. Like just having that um, that level of security is more than enough. Um, for me as well and like whenever I whenever I'm feeling um whenever I'm having like a, a bad mental health day with anxiety or depression or whatever and um just practicing gratitude like as as cheesy as it sounds practicing gratitude is um just a huge help like there's always something good about um your day like even. Like I always just start off with like, you know, I I drank clean water today. Like, you know, I drank clean. I drank clean water today, and then I can usually use that as a, a jumping off point to find other other good things about the day. Like, I drank clean water today. Both of my parents are still alive. You know, my yeah. husband is awesome. My hamster is super cute. You know, like those are just like a few things off the top of my head right now. Like.
2: Yeah.
0: And 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 the thing about that is is the people that don't understand that don't have mental illness, it it can take the smallest thing to set us off, but it can also take the smallest thing to get us in the right frame of mind. So like you talk about your hamsters, your husband drinking clean water. I have certain small things too. Like I wake up in the morning and say, Hey, my bills are paid. Hey, I'm not behind. Yes.
2: Hey,
0: I have a dollar in my yeah.
1: pocket, and that'll start yeah. to help. Right, you know. Yeah, like uh, like this morning, I was just kind of like, oh, man, you know, this, that, and grumbling about this and that. And my husband was like, hey, we don't have to worry about paying our bills until December. And, and I'm like, oh, yeah, <laughs> we got this taken care of. We're ahead of things for once. That's awesome. And then all of a sudden, I was like, ping, you know, like, oh, life is great.
0: <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't take much to set us off or get us happy. And that is the best part about being who we are. Sometimes I feel like crying and like I'm a 37 year old man and like I consider myself to be like a guy's guy, I guess, you know, like I watch UFC fighting and things like that. So I guess it makes me a real man, you know, even though I,
2: you know, <laughs> yes. like,
0: I, I, like I buy my meat at a supermarket. I don't go hunt for it. That's about as manly as I get is, you know, just saying, oh, I watch fights. But sometimes like you'll, you'll feel like extreme sadness or happiness or anger and it's just triggered by the dumbest shit and you can't explain it. Like I'll be sitting there in my car. And I'll be thinking about something like a tear will come down my eye, and like, where the fuck did that come from? Why do I feel this way?
1: Yeah, yeah, um, it's it's definitely is, you know, it it can be really really hard, but um, I think it also helps to empathize with with others and with the world in general. Just um, Mm -hmm. like
0: (laughs) (laughs) those small victories where you can get them. Just yeah, having clean water, having your bills paid—take them where you can get them—and just feel the overwhelming joy that comes. With
1: yeah, these- yeah. Just learning, to, like when you have depression, um, the the sadness is so overwhelming that um, you know learning, especially if you're, um if your depression is uh, situational, uh, like if it's uh, brought on by uh, your environment or. Um, things that have happened to you or to others, or and um, when you're surrounded in such sadness, it's so important to to just grab on to happiness um, wherever and whenever you can find it and just really hold on to it. And, like, yeah, you know.
0: <laughs> everything you're saying makes perfect sense because. Like, that's why people have emotional support dogs. They see you see them on airplanes, you see them in in grocery stores. Like, people just need to pet something, like, they get some kind of sensory overload by that. Like, me, like, if I hear a song that I like, there's certain songs that just trigger joy. And if I I listen to them, like, all right, I'm ready to go. And then something might knock me down, something stupid. And I gotta, you know, kind of just try to recalibrate the uh, juices in the brain, if you know what I mean. Yeah,
1: yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, um, like, uh, one of the things that I would do is I would just like make a like a happiness playlist and then sit and listen to my happy tunes until until I I could reset. But um, uh, my husband is just the greatest for that because like like something will set me off and I'll be be uh, grumpy or sad or you know just riddled with anxiety and he'll he'll be he's just so um, calm and level all the time and he's just kind of and he's he's always really very optimistic and and you know everything and he just kind of yeah
0: yeah yeah how would you guys (laughs) meet because because i because i can tell by and i can hear your voice i can sympathize i can i can feel it with my empathy i could feel the love you have for him
1: oh i love him so much he's the he's just the 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 best person in the entire world
0: (laughs) um how'd you guys meet
1: well it's funny because um, yeah, he actually lived on the other side of the country. He's from Ohio. He didn't move here until um, January. Um, but we met uh, a couple of years ago. He's also a freelance writer. And we met uh, at a publication uh, where I was um, signed on to be the head editor. And he was um, signed on as a writer. So basically, I was his boss, <laughs> and um, and you know,
0: I, uh, that's a fantasy for a lot of people out there, by the way.
1: <laughs> yeah, but, um, um, you know, I, uh, editors and writers and stuff. And whenever you're working with coworkers, you know, um, you, you you get to know them even like outside of the work, um, even when it's in, in a remote uh, team. And so, you know, I'd be, I'd be bossing him around all day and, you know, like, oh, you gotta, you know, you forgot a comma here, you know, whatever. (laughs) And, um, and then, uh, on the side, you know, he would be talking to me about this and that and like, oh, you know, uh, I have cats and, you know, like this and that and I like horror movies and blah, blah. And it's like, oh, wow, this guy's pretty cool. (laughs) <laughs> and uh and then i i was like and then i was like oh man you know this guy is really cool um but you know gotta keep it professional where i'm his boss can't do anything about that and but on the side i would like tell my my uh my junior editor uh you know like oh you know uh, frank in the writing department he's he's pretty cool <laughs> 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 and so um uh, but eventually uh um uh, the publication uh got basically it got sold off and went under and um we were we were all let go and um but Frank and i uh obviously stayed in touch <laughs> and i was no I was no longer his boss, so <laughs> you know and um who's and, the boss now um <laughs> uh, no, it's I'd say that we're uh, we're pretty pretty even even footing i mean um <laughs> i like it i like
0: it, it was, it's a very 2019 answer and i and i like it because my wife and i are the same we there's yeah, no yeah. boss it's, it's a partnership
1: yeah it's a partnership okay. um, we're, we're just you know the best bestest best friends ever and um, you know, everything is, uh, teamwork and it's pretty, pretty even Stevens though. I, I do put his, I I did designate him to be the one in charge of the finances because I am terrible with money. So, <laughs>
0: yeah, that, well, that's pretty common, you know, it, 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 it's, it's tough to stay on top of things because like, you know, you. Especially living out in L.A. because from because I, I don't know much about living out there obviously but I, I do know the cost of living is very high so I can imagine yeah. inflation on everything is high because people want want to move to L.A. that's just you know that's just the place to be
1: yeah everything is crazy expensive but yeah like um uh, in, with with my parents um my mom is the one who who's in charge of the finances. Um, and make sure all the bills are paid and like everything. So I'm like, well, you know what? That's a, that system has worked really well for my parents. So um, you're it. You're in charge. <laughs> you deal. You deal with the money stuff. <laughs> I'm, I'm, you know. So. But other than that, everything is everything is uh, pretty much just uh, a joint thing.
0: All right. So let's
1: stop yeah. <laughs> He he moved out here in January and then um, and then proposed to me on my birthday, which is January seventh, and then. Uh, in April, we got married and um my maid of honor was uh, my junior editor from that job so um, i we stayed in touch with her too so um, That's that was, awesome. yeah that was, that was really cool
0: <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. Are you ready to jump into some horror movie stuff here we keep we keep going off the cuff here. It's like we've known each oh, other for yeah. our lives. it's awesome
1: <laughs> well, you know I just i I just you know it's uh mental health awareness month and whatnot so i figured you know it's oh, a yeah. good a good episode for us to, to yeah. really dive into that stuff <laughs> and
0: there's plenty more i've I, i've got a few more guests coming on too um you know throughout the month about mental health because or mental illness because it's, it's something i feel passionate about obviously but
1: yeah me too <laughs>
0: Well, well, let me ask you a question here because I was I was trying to get it before, but then we just kind of went off the mark a little bit, which is fine because that's what happens on this show. We do it all the time. We go off the mark, and we just kind of just ramble about stuff.
1: <laughs> yes, I know. I, I've I've listened to some of your episodes to prepare.
0: <laughs> it's very hard. It, it's very hard to prepare for a show like this one. It's it's just very nutty. Um, so what? So what's the scariest movie that you've ever seen? In your opinion, like in in your own subjective thing, what's the scariest movie in your opinion?
1: oh my god um, that's I don't, I don't know
2: do you want
0: to give you some time to think and I'll, and, and, and I'll give you mine
1: yeah I mean feel free
0: Okay. okay. alright well you take your time because I have a two part answer to this question here and okay. I have a scariest personality and I have a scariest movie Uh, My scariest personality is the old man, the Reverend Kane from Poltergeist 2. He scared the living shit out of me. And when I was a kid, old white men scared me that looked like him because he had this one scene where Craig T. Nelson and uh, Joe Beth Williams were in their house and they were arguing. And this is when the dad of the family was starting to get a little like crazy and he was starting to get possessed a little bit. I think this is after he drank the beer with the worm inside. And the Reverend Cain comes by, and he's, like, singing this song. He goes, like, here we come from, or something like that. He goes up to the door, and he goes, hey, how you doing, friend? He goes, let me in. Let me in. He's screaming. And I'm, like, holy crap. And then they were playing this song, and you see a flashback of him, like, and when he was the crazy reverend getting people to commit suicide in the caves or whatever it was. Oh and it gosh. scared the shit out of me. And even now, talking about it gives me goosebumps to this day. Oh. Like, elicits this, this, this feeling inside of me from when I was a child. to this day I cannot watch the movie without getting scared.
1: Oh well yeah <laughs> uh,
0: but that's my how, serious personality.
1: How old were you at the time?
0: Oh well my brothers and sisters, I'm 37. Uh, the youngest sibling to me is 48 so there's an 11 year age gap so they used to put these movies on to torture me as a kid and my youngest sister was 11 years older. So when she would watch like Nightmare on Elm Street and those movies, I would be the kid and she would have to have someone in the room with her. So she didn't get scared. So she'd make me as a little kid watch with her. So I'd get horrified <laughs> just to make her feel safe. So she'd have someone else in the room. Even though I was a kid, I couldn't defend her. Freddy he could knocked down the door, but I was afraid just to see it, you know? <laughs> and uh, the other thing would be like, as far as movies go, cause like that, he's my scariest personality. But as far as movies go, the scariest movie I've ever seen would probably have to be The Exorcist or Insidious. And I, and it's like a tie between the two because there's a real-life parallel as far as, like, supernatural and things that we don't know is real or not. And I actually do have someone coming on the show who is who claims to have been possessed by a demon, and he can apparently describe the demon in full detail and, like, what he saw, and he's going to give and share his experiences coming up in a couple of days here. So I'm looking forward to that one because that, to me, is going to be really interesting. But when you put in a sense of realism and people, you know, whether they believe or not, religion is a thing, you know, like people believe in God. Some people don't. Some people believe in demons in the afterlife. No one truly knows the answer. But then you put a movie out there where, you know, that, you know, it's it's quote unquote real and demons are coming and possessing kids and they're doing all this crazy shit. And then the further and insidious where there's this afterlife where you relive, you know, these horrible scenarios and you can get brought into it and stuff like that through your dreams it, it it just brings a sense of like real life. That's why I like Freddy Krueger, another guy. You fall asleep. Everyone falls asleep, you know. And people have had dreams about him. I did when I was a kid. So things like that really scare the shit out of me.
1: Oh yeah, um, it's just well, I don't know. It's just um, it's hard for me because I like I never really like I'm oh, I I love horror movies. I'm very entertained by horror movies. Like. Um, I'm often comforted by horror movies. It's just it's like it's hard to find one that actually scared me past. Well, God, um,
0: just go ahead and say it. I'm a sissy, and and you're a lot tougher than I am. Just go ahead and say it.
1: No, no, you're not. It. Yeah, it's just it's hard for me because um, for me, you know, growing up in the the environment, you know, the household that I did. Um, it was always very, um, you know, clear to me that what I was seeing wasn't real. Um, um, there was always that distinction between, um, what was, what was real and what wasn't, but, uh, I will say that, uh, as a, as a child... Oh, we went and saw uh, uh, Killer Clowns from Outer Space. <laughs> um, awesome. at, the, at the at the drive-in, and um, you know, I, I know I know the Kyoto Brothers. Um, you know, the guys who made that movie, and uh, they they own a special effects shop that um, uh, that has done that. effects for a ton of a ton of stuff. And that was, you know, Killer Clowns was kind of their baby, and, you know, my dad painted, you know, a set of clown gloves for the movie, just when they were doing, like, post-production stuff, um, did, had to do, like, a reshoot on something, and my dad was there working on, uh, Critters, Critters 2, and they came in and were like, oh, we gotta reshoot something for Killer Clowns, can you, can you whip up a pair of clown gloves for this real quick, um, <laughs> And, um, but anyway, yeah, we saw that movie and that movie, uh, did scare me, but, you know, I was like th- three, three years old. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, <laughs> we saw that movie at the drive-in, uh, that, that scared me and I stayed under, like, there was a blanket in the back seat, and I stayed under the blanket for most of the time. And then we went to McDonald's and, you know, Ronald McDonald was there. He was there and I started screaming that he was a murderer. Um, so, uh, that movie did scare me. Um, it doesn't scare me anymore, uh, at all. It's actually, it's very, uh, humorous and a lot of fun. But, uh, you know, the Kyoto brothers, uh, you know, Charlie Kyoto, uh, is still friends with me, uh, now and uh, he, he's very tickled that that their movie was like pretty much the only movie that scared me. <laughs> 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 but yeah, uh, no, it's it's really hard. Um, yeah, it drives my friends crazy because uh, they they're always like trying to trying to find you know the one that's the the one horror movie that's actually going to give me a legitimate chill. You know, like and you know, I'm just kind of sitting there like. <laughs> Like, uh, enjoying them on, on other levels, and and they're all like, were you scared? Were you scared? Wasn't that one scene so terrifying? And I was like, well, oh, no, not really. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now, now, do any of, like, the, the quote-unquote real-life movies scare you? Like, things like Jaws or anything like that? Or how about, like, Child's Play? Because every kid had toys and dolls growing up. Man, oh like, dude I, I
1: collect dolls <laughs> <laughs> I do I, I have a massive doll collection Um, I had to sell off A lot of my dolls during hard times But I still have like a massive doll collection And toys everywhere And Like I collect toys <laughs> um, So no you know that you know, Child's Play is just, No <laughs> I love Child's Play though, That's a great movie um, <laughs> What about you
0: but... jo- Did Jaws ever scare you?
1: Um, well, no, not really, um, because, um, well, large bodies of water scare me because I don't know how to swim, but that also means that I'm not going into large bodies of water, so I'm probably not going to get attacked by a shark.
0: <laughs> you say easily avoidable. Okay, I understand.
1: Yeah, it's just you know,
0: like maybe. <laughs> it's funny you it means, that large bodies of water scare the shit out of me too. It's 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 movies like that and movies where people are are like in outer space where you can't control what's going around you. If something goes wrong out in the ocean or outer space, you know, like if you're on like a spacecraft, you're screwed. Yeah,
1: certain- yeah. Oh man, like um, <clears throat> like uh, not so much in movies, but like when I play video games, like any. Any of the like underwater levels in video games, like in Tomb Raider, or even like you know Sonic the Hedgehog, when you have to go in like some of the levels where you have to go into the water, that stuff like makes my palms sweat. But, um, yeah, I'd say like I've had, um, I guess some. Uh, even then, I'm not so some, uh, some scares from like video games more than uh, movies. Like movies are always like there's this, sort of that distance between myself and what's happening that it doesn't really, you know, get into the, my my scare center. But with with video games where I'm actually like interacting with the thing and I'm in control of what's happening. it <laughs> yep. makes um, sense. Yeah, that that sometimes gets uh, intense, but I, yeah.
0: <laughs> well, I feel the same way because there's a game called DC Universe Online that I play, and um, there's a and like in that game you can fly the power of flight, you can make a superhero that kind of thing, and there's a couple of parts where you can jump off a really high building, and if I do that, I could feel my heart like rising up in my chest when my. Yeah. Character is falling down. <laughs> Yeah. And I wonder why, because I'm not going to get hurt, but it's like you can kind of like, and I don't know if that has to do with mental illness or if it doesn't. I'm not an expert, obviously. But it's like I can like put myself into the character, whereas I'm the one falling. It's the weirdest thing, and I can't describe it. But the water, too, if you're underwater in a video game, I know exactly where you're coming from because it's like you feel like you're drowning or I find myself holding my breath when the character's underwater.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I guess it's because, like, when you're playing a video game, um, uh, well, you're in control of whatever, you know, avatar you're using, whether it's, like, a little blue hedgehog or, you know, Leon in the Resident Evil games or whatever, like, that is you, you are controlling that person, you're, th- that is you in that moment. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, um... You know, and if you if you do things like you know jumping off of of high places, it's like, oh, that's gonna that's gonna hurt my life bar. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, now what game? Now what games are you playing? Because you did mention Resident Evil, which is probably my favorite franchise of all of all time in video games. Oh Resident yeah,
1: Evil. it's awesome. Um, my husband was I actually posed a question in our in the horrorfam.com forums uh, the other day. It's just you know wondering if when and if uh, the Resident Evil 3 remake is going to come out, because the Resident Evil 2, uh, you know, reboot uh, or remake earlier this year was just so fantastic, and uh, Resident Evil 3 is his is his favorite, and he was uh, really, really hoping that they're going to redo that one as well.
0: I hope so. That one had Nemesis in there, and if I remember correctly, that was the one where, like, Jill has, like, the little skirt on, and she,
1: yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Cause... Yeah. Like the foods, I love that one.
1: Yeah.
0: My 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 personal favorite, though, of all the Resident Evils, is probably the first one because I like the scenario. It would be a great horror movie. You're in an isolated mansion, you get separated from your teens, Zombies come out of the you know the woodworks, and you're fighting them. But Seven was really good. Did you play that one?
1: Oh, uh, Biohazard.
0: Oh my God! Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um. And then they're they're coming out with um, a a. It's sort of like uh, it's almost not quite like. Oh God, I can't think. I can't think of what it's like. It's not. It's not exactly like uh, Dead by Daylight, but it's sort of a like a team situation um, where it's it's a Resident Evil that you play with a you know a group of people like a multi multiplayer Resident Evil.
0: They tried that before. It was Operation Raccoon City, I think, right? Where, like yeah
1: you
2: know,
0: the
1: game. They're
0: uh, it's like a multiplayer game, kind of like an MMO, almost.
1: Yeah, new one coming it coming out. Um,
0: That's gonna be awesome. Yeah. Do you guys uh, have a PS3 or P or, or, or PS4 or Xbox?
1: We have an Xbox.
0: Oh no! Are, are you guys like strictly Xbox people? Are you gonna get the new Xbox when it comes out, like next year or whatever?
1: Um, well, if we could afford it, probably. <laughs> no, cool. we we have um, you know, PC. Uh, we use our PCs, and we've got the Xbox One X, and um, we also have um, we we my husband, and I each have a Nintendo Three DS. And...
0: Well, the reason why I ask is because if that game comes out,
1: Project Resistance—that was the name of the 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 Resident Evil game that I was trying to think of.
0: I'm gonna write that down. I have to look that up. I, I haven't seen anything about it yet.
1: Yeah, it's um. It's sort of a. It's sort of like um, Dead by Daylight in that it's like a one versus four, asymmetrical online survival horror type of thing. Sounds awesome. Um, yeah, it it should be good. Like, um, I'm not really too into multiplayer uh, games so much. My husband's really into Dead by Daylight. He's really good at that game too. Um, but, um. We're thinking that maybe um, they're releasing you know this sort of uh, you know project resistance is just sort of a, a thing to keep people. Keep keep people busy while they're while they're working on you know the next uh, the next remake of like you know Resident Evil three remake or, or coming out with like Resident Evil eight or you know like, <laughs> so, so just something to, something to give people a little taste of the Resident Evil world while they're working on the next like real game you know. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well. I think I might have to get an Xbox because my wife and I, we we both have a PS4 and we play together mostly. We, we each have one in separate rooms. We just do the online thing together mostly. But
2: yeah.
0: <laughs> if, if, if he's as good as you say in Dead by Daylight, because I tried that game and I suck. I, I, I can't last long. I get killed very quickly and I'm like hanging up on oh, a no, tree. He's and like,
1: he's like uh, triple prestige, like four different killers or something. <laughs> he's oh my God. <laughs> Yeah, he's
0: scary me in the game. So I'm going to find him on Xbox if, if I ever get I'm gonna, <laughs> All hey, right. Please help me because I suck. <laughs> yeah,
1: was, he'd probably be down for that. <laughs>
0: All right. So let me ask you about uh, reality horror, um, like Paranormal Activity and the Blair Woods Project. How did you feel about those types of movies? Because Blair Witch did scare the crap out of people to a point where they thought it was real at one point.
1: I know. <laughs> uh,
0: How do you feel about like the reality genre of of horror?
1: Like found footage movies, you mean?
0: Yes, exactly.
1: Most of them are snooze.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you're really, you're really tough. You, you you can take this stuff. See, like I was on the edge of my seat. Like, oh my god, I was jumping around, and every time the jump scares happened in Paranormal Activity, I was jumping with it. Like, I I, I guess I'm a sucker.
1: Um, well, (laughs) um, you know what, um, Red Letter Media actually did a wonderful review of the the paranormal activity movies, um, and just how they're basically like going through, uh, like a carnival ride where, you know, you're just kind of (laughs) going, I'm sorry, I'm laughing just thinking about it, but, um where um you're kind of going through you're on a little ride and you're going through like uh, a haunted house and then like something will you know like slam in the background and it's like oh what was that like every every once in a while there'll be like like spooky noise or you know a loud sound effect and you're just kind of like oh oh my (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's
0: well, that's kind of like what I wanted to ask you as well, and, and I'm glad you said what you said, because it kind of segues in, into jump scares versus real horror. Now, since you know so much about horror movies, you've seen so many, you grew up in the business, do you like automatically disqualify movies as being horror movies if they have to resort to jump scares, or do you prefer the traditional movie that presents real horror like an exorcist or like an original Bela Lugosi Dracula film?
1: Oh, well... <laughs> <laughs> well, honestly, uh, you know, the universal monster movies, you know like you mentioned Dracula, it's just like they're so like important from like a historical perspective, but honestly as um as someone who's, you know, I was born in in the in the mid 1980s and everything and um those movies are wonderful historically, you know, f- of because of what they inspired, um, later on, you know, but the actual movies themselves are, uh, they've got some pacing issues.
2: <laughs> true, Very true. <laughs>
1: like, I, I love them. I adore them. Um, but that doesn't like, just, <laughs> I don't want to let, I like, I don't want to like trash talk them or anything. Like I, I do, I do love them. Um, um, like, but it's it's hard. It's just you know one of the things is is that um, I don't really want to disclude any um, movie uh, or show or whatever that uh, claims to be uh, horror because you know if if that was their intent then um, then you know it it is <laughs> and. <laughs> And a lot of things like, um, like for instance, uh, Return to Oz, that has a lot of like really scary things in it, uh, especially for children. Um, but a lot of people would argue like, you know, mm- Return to Oz isn't isn't a horror movie, you know, like uh, that's fantasy or that's, you know, that was made by Disney, so it's not real horror, or, you know, like um yeah, yeah. Like when when people start arguing about like what real horror is and what makes or even worse what makes a real horror fan, then it just kind of it just get, becomes a whole big mess of just everybody hating on everything and you know, if if something scared you then you know it was it was horror (laughs) you know and and even if it didn't scare you if you can understand how it could scare someone else then you know I think it qualifies like things that don't scare me personally I can still understand what was supposed to be scary you know I think
0: Right there. You hit the nail on the head because being scared and horror in general is very subjective. And the reason why I I say that is because when I was a kid, I used to be horrified of Freddy Krueger and Poltergeist, you know, and even now, like, I know that that stuff isn't real. Like, I know someone's not going to kill me in my dreams. So my tastes have changed over the years where now I can watch them and laugh and appreciate it. And Poltergeist still does give me chills on my spine, but only because it does elicit that response I had when I was a child. It's like a trigger, but I know it's not real, and I'm not horrified by him anymore. But- yeah,
1: exactly. Like like Nightmare on Elm Street scared you as a, as a child, so it was obviously horror. But now it doesn't scare you as an adult, so does that make it not horror anymore? No, of course not. It's still a horror movie. <laughs>
0: exactly. Exactly. But like I was saying, like my tastes have changed, and now hard to me is things that I can see as like a realistic scenario. So there was a movie called Vacancy with um, uh, Luke Wilson and, um, and Kate Beckinsale, where they were like a married couple. I don't know if you saw this one or not, but the people that have it I'm gonna just give a little background on it. They were driving on the road, they were bickering the whole time, they were driving late, and they pulled over to a motel. And they got a room at the motel and everything was okay. But there was a, a tape in the VCR that they had playing on. And it, and it was like a snuff film, which is like, you know, like real life killings, you know, like people killing each other and selling them on the black market. It was a big thing way back in the day. And uh, there was like real life murders that people would pay, you know, these underground people that were dealing the tapes that to, to attained them. it was highly illegal, obviously. And they were looking at the tape and it was in the room that they were in. So they're like, Holy shit. And all of a sudden people were banging on the windows and banging on the doors and they were, you know, about to get killed by this group of people that owned the motel that were selling those those snuff films. And basically what they had to do was kind of like, you know, survive the night. And, you know, a lot of things happened. The guys broke in the room and they were, you know, like, I don't want to spoil the film for people who haven't seen it. But it's basically them versus this crazy group of people that own the motel that were trying to kill them and create snuff films. Really, really good movie, and it's something that you can see happening because we were actually thinking about taking a a, a road trip down to Disneyland next year. And when we came down here, we moved from New York all the way down here to South Carolina. We actually had to stay the night in a motel in West Virginia where it was off a beaten path, little shitty little motel, barely like a light flickering with like flies on that light. You know, like the the scene that you think of in your head when you're thinking of a horror movie, like a family pulls into a motel, the lights flickering, there's a bunch of... You know, like bees and moths and shit, you know? And then I'm like, oh my god, this is vacancy, we're going to get killed. And I was thinking about it, because it's a real-life scenario, like stuff like that can really happen. Guys aren't going to kill you in your sleep, but they can break down your door and kill you in real life. So, to me, that's how horror evolved, for me, you
2: know?
1: Yeah, Um. I. Uh, there's actually uh, Josh, the one who uh, introduced you to me, uh, wrote an article um, about um you know real life boogeymen and how you know they're in the boogeymen of our our childhood uh, have now evolved into more you know realistic uh you know people <laughs> that could could yeah. probably actually kill you in, in the real world you know <laughs> so yeah. a, it's a really it's a really good article that he wrote and people should check that out
0: <laughs> I'm just surprised he's literate. Because I know him in real life.
1: <laughs> no, <laughs> me
2: just
1: you, Josh. He, he he wrote a fantastic post.
0: <laughs> now, uh, why do you think horror movies? Uh, well, well, not horror movies. Let me rephrase. Why do you think horror in general has never really translated to television, where we don't have like good horror TV shows anymore that last more than a few seasons?
1: Ooh, um, that's a good question. I don't know. <laughs>
0: um, the reason why I ask is because like you can see a few, uh, you know, like, like, like movies that come out of theaters, but then like there was a show called Dracula a few years back where Jonathan Reese Davis was in the show and it was like a really good traditional version of Dracula. There was a show called 666 Park Avenue, really good show with uh, Vanessa Williams. And I forgot the guy's name, but he was on, um, Lost and he was in the show and it was a good horror show. And they both lasted, like, one season was Dracula, like, two or three seasons was the 666 Park Avenue. And they just kind of faded away. Like, why are people not watching horror on TV?
1: I I don't know. (laughs) Uh, uh, Speaking of horror horror television, uh, my husband came back uh, earlier today. He got... um, are You Afraid of the Dark on, on DVD? <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's awesome. But, like, I don't know. Like, I just think it's really sad how, like, you know, the, the horror genre just doesn't, like, get the proper respect. And it's, it's not as prevalent on television, you know. You get a lot of the same old crap. And when you do see horror in movies, a lot of the times nowadays it's remakes. How do you feel about remakes of old horror classics?
1: Um. Well, you know, I'd prefer to see remakes of things um that weren't uh, you know, done well the first time around. <laughs> How would you feel about it? It um I actually uh you mean uh the 2017 and 2019 Yes. Um, yeah. I I liked it.
0: <laughs> it was different. I mean, I do prefer the original more.
1: Oh, the 1990...
0: 1990- oh, yeah, like the old Stephen King, Jonathan Brandis version. I, I enjoyed that more. But I I guess, like, I'm just one of those guys who, like, likes it better when they were a kid. I guess I turned into that cranky old man who's like, things were better when I was a kid, you know? Like, maybe that's what I turned into, I guess.
1: Well, one of the things that I had wanted to do, I don't I don't know if anyone would be, be up for doing this, but uh, something that I wanted to do Uh, would be as, you know, a a recurring uh, series on the horrorfam.com blog. I wanted to do something called, like, Goggles Off or something, where um, people who don't have nostalgia goggles for, um, you know, a classic movie um, (laughs) will go and watch the movie for the first time and then, like, give their, like, honest review of it. Because a lot of the stuff... Like, this is my, you know, myself included, like, somebody mentioned the other day that The Monster Squad isn't that great of a movie because it's, like, it's got, like, a lot of, you know, weird problems with uh, tone and, like, you know, who exactly is this for? Like, there's, like, little kids and, (laughs) like, and then I'm, like, what? What are you talking about? That's, like, the best movie ever made. And then it's, like, oh, wait a minute, maybe I'm seeing it through nostalgia goggles, you know? Like Kick maybe it's nuts. maybe it's not like the most awesome thing ever, but. <laughs> would... Oh my god!
0: Kick him in the. Wolfman doesn't have any nards. Boom! He kicks him in the nuts, and he like falls. No, oh,
1: no, I love that movie. That's, it's, it's in my my top five favorite movies of all time for sure. But. Me <laughs> too. I,
0: I I have it on DVD with the extras and all the cool stuff on there.
1: Oh yeah, I have the the special edition. You know, <laughs> that's a really cool
0: idea that you got there. So, so how many contributors do you think you're, you're going to have on the website? As far as like, are you just taking submissions, or do you have a team of dedicated writers? Like, where like where are you guys at right now? I I, I know it's only ten days in, but do you have like a set vision right now? you just kind of going with the flow, seeing where it takes you.
1: Well, um, my my husband and myself and our friend Heather are kind of like the, the three people keeping it all, keeping it all working. And we'll, we each, you know, contribute articles and, and what, um, and then there's always an open call for submissions. You know, if anyone wants to submit an article, they absolutely can and are encouraged to. And, um, uh, that's how we were lucky enough to, to get Josh on the site and, um, uh, another another guy. Uh, I, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing his name right, but Bud Fugate. Uh, he also contributed a piece that was very nice. And um, just you know, some people it. who are inspired to to write can can write in. Uh, one yeah, that was one of the things. You know, as a freelance writer myself, um, I wanted to give people the opportunity to to write in the horror genre on a platform that wasn't quite as intimidating as trying to submit to some place that was, you know, more prestigious or famous like Fangoria or famous monsters or, you know, Yeah. <laughs> so, um, uh, so they'd have like a nice sort of safe place to, to, you know, try this out and build their, their horror writing portfolios and, you know, get a few published pieces, uh, before, you know, uh, <laughs> I
0: think it's great. It's, it's like a place for people to own their craft and to basically like, you know, get their hands dirty and just kind of learn like, you know, how to do what they want to get into and, and yeah. you get a platform to do it, which is awesome.
1: Yeah. Um, and, you know, of course, none of the stuff that gets uh, published is going to be like, you know, really like amateurish and, and hard to get through or anything for the readers because, um, uh, when, like when the pieces come in and I, I've been working with the writers, you know, Josh included, like um, he sent me a thing that, you know, it, it was, it was really good. He had never written um, a blog post before and his, uh, his idea was fantastic and his writing voice was uh, stellar. Um, but there was like a lot of formatting things that were not um, uh, good for like an online uh Blog, you know, for that would that anywhere else it, he would have not been published. So I was able to work with him and you know mentor him and help him, uh, you know, fine t- fine tune his craft and um, you know yeah. And then he was he was you know thrilled to to get the feedback and he submitted another piece and it was you know even better. And I'm I'm looking forward to to uploading that and getting that out there tomorrow and.
0: That's the thing, like, like you're giving people a chance and, and you're teaching them because you actually have a history. You, 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 you've you, got, you know, the chops for this and, and you're, you're passing it along to others, which is great because now, whether you like it or not, you know, you are a public figure. You've got a website now and people are going to sit there and reach out to you and they're going to take your word as bond and look to you for guidance. And Josh, when he was published on that website, let me tell you, he was so excited. He wouldn't shut up about it. He thought it was the greatest thing ever. And he had the smile. I, I'd never seen this guy smile before, and he smiled all day.
1: Oh, so, <laughs> well, That's so nice to hear. <laughs> no,
2: like, it, it's no, his,
1: his stuff incredible. was, he's been submitting some really great stuff. And just like the only, like literally the only thing that was wrong with um, um, his, his work was uh, that he just didn't know uh, the formatting that would. You know, would be expected from like a professional um, publication, and you know, if he had if he had submitted anywhere else, they would have just been like, whatever. You know, like this guy doesn't know what, what's going on. A, a lot of editors at bigger publications don't even take the time to read things that aren't you know in the the proper format or whatever. So,
2: and it's um, not fair because
0: you're not giving people a chance. And and you know, if if they took the time to take someone under their wing. They could have the next superstar in their hands, but they don't want to take the chance. They don't want to take the time.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I'm hoping um, at some point um, to um, uh, that you know, if if horrorfamcom if you know, if people really like it, and then you know, maybe they'll make some donations to the Patreon or something. One of my one of my main goals later on is if we start getting. Um, enough money from Patreon or whatever, um, is to take on, uh, a few, few of the, uh, writers who can, who frequently contribute and just say, okay, you know, you're, you're staff now, here's some money, <laughs> but, yeah. um, you know, I'm not in a position to, to pay writers, um. On my own yet, so that's something you know I'll, I'll either have to become fabulously wealthy from winning the lottery or something, um, or or get <laughs> like the thing. those Patreon contrib- contributions or something. But that that's kind of like the the you know the uh, wouldn't it be nice if this happened <laughs> down down the road? That's kind of like that's the dream is to be able to take the people, it's like, wow, you know, this person is contributing uh, fairly often. They always hit the nail on the head. They're so awesome. Let's uh, let's start It'll paying happen. them to do this. So.
0: It'll happen for you. And I do know, just from talking to you for the almost two hours we've been talking now, that, that you're definitely going to pay it forward and, and, and you're going to take care of the people that take care of you because I just get that vibe from you, you know, like good people find each other. I heard that from a guy once before, you know, and uh, he, he he told me that and I believe it. And I think you're a good person. I think you're going to take care of people. And I do see great things in your future. Now, I'm, I'm going to ask you a couple more questions here, OK, because I'm very interested in these things because you grew up in the business and, and and your parents were really big into the makeup and the special effects and all that good stuff. What was the coolest Halloween outfit? Because I know you didn't pay for outfits. They made you some cool stuff. What was the coolest thing you ever, you ever wore as a Halloween outfit that your parents made?
1: Oh, man, like, uh, pretty much all of my my things were were cool, at least in my eyes.
0: (laughs) What one stands Uh,
1: out? Well, um, in high school, um, my mom made me, like, she just made me a really nice uh, fairy costume that actually won the the Halloween costume contest at my high school that year.
0: Of course. Who made it?
1: um, Well, mostly my mom... um, and uh, but actually, one of the things that I I have uh, that I still use um, in eighth grade, my dad took a, a casting of my my upper teeth, and then built uh, vampire fangs um, that are you know specifically molded from my own teeth. Like, they're not just, like, the generic ones that you can, you know, buy at the supermarket and glue into your mouth or whatever.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, but they're actually, like, molded to my teeth. And um, my teeth haven't really changed since eighth grade. So I, I can still, you know, wash those off and wear them. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and they
1: still fit fit perfectly. And I don't even need any glue or anything because they fit so well. So That's pretty
0: cool. You know,
2: yeah.
1: Yeah. Like-
0: you know what kind of outfits I wore as a kid? I, I had, like, the dollar store freaking Spider-Man outfit. That's how poor we were. I had, like, that one with, like, that string that tied around the back of your head and that plastic face mask.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah
0: that, that's what I had. So I, I'm really jealous right now that your parents could actually make you legitimate. Like, you could have gone as Michael Myers and, and had the actual Michael Myers mask. I'm so jealous.
1: Yeah.
0: I think, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> God, cool. All right, so how about this? Um, Have you ever gone to, like, horror conventions? Is that something that still, like, excites you to go to one of these things, knowing that your parents were, like, you know, so big in the industry that you can go see, like, anybody you want almost any time to go to a horror convention? Do you go to those?
1: Um, I used to when I was younger. I haven't in a long time. Um, Probably just because, um, well, I don't really travel, and um, the ones here in L.A. uh, are they're just so crowded <laughs> uh. and I I'm not, I don't really like being around uh, large crowds too much. <laughs> That's <laughs> I, I, I should probably f- like force myself to, to go, um, to one, uh, you know, especially since, you know, with uh, horrorfam.com horror and everything, get the word out, but, oh, yeah.
2: uh, it's,
1: it's nothing, it's nothing personal. Like I, I, I love all like, uh, Going go to these places, it's just that uh, feeling, it's just so claustrophobic, you know?
0: <laughs> I and I understand completely. I actually have a rule at my job where if there's more than three people around me, I have to go away. Yeah. I, I, I just don't want to be surrounded.
1: Yeah, I don't like being surrounded. And, um, uh, like, even if you're surrounded by, like, really, really nice people, it just, uh, it just gets, like, uh, it's a little hard on the old anxiety, you know? <laughs>
0: yeah. and that, And there's also a whole thing where, like, if you ever worked in, like, a retail environment or anything like that, you almost have, like, two different personas where you have to pretend you're this caring person who who actually gives a shit about people and, and is a people person. And then you come home after you punch your time card and leave where you're the person you really are. And after a while of doing it, everything blends together and you kind of forget who you really are. And that's the kind of like style where I'm at right now because I've been doing retail for years like I said I'm 37 the mental breakdown I guess started at around 24 25 so it's like I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure out who the hell I am now and there's this fine line that I walk now where like I try to be a good person but I want to be left alone at the same time so I do the podcast to kind of bring everything together and meet in the middle so I don't know where you're at with it all if you made peace with it or you kind of found out who you are but maybe you're at that point too I'm not sure
1: what do you think? Um, well, I worked uh, in uh, fast food and retail for years, like um, from when I was like 14 to 29. And I, I did freelance writing on the side. Um, you know, I started, I, you know, got paid for my first uh, article and everything at 15. And I always did that as a side job. But um, my, you know, quote-unquote, real job was, you know, cashier. And I would be, you know, just bouncing from different fast food and retail jobs. And, um, but then uh, when, uh, in 2010, when I was 25, um I opened up Little Zot's writing and made freelance writing and editing my sole source of income, and I just never looked back. I don't, I never want to do retail or fast food ever again. Um, I mean. But I don't know. It's a. It's not so much a persona thing because, like, I don't. Um, for me, anyway, it's just a. Um, I don't know. I just get really like uh, a lot of anxiety when there's just like too, too many people around, around me.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, it sucks. It, it really does. And um, got like one or two more questions for you before we wrap this thing, because we've gone about two hours now. And one thing I do want to say to you is I would like, and if you're not too busy. To maybe become a regular contributor on the show, like, maybe come on, like, once a month and just kind of bullshit, shoot the breeze, because I had a really good time talking to you, and I think that with the whole mental illness thing that we have going on, I think it would be kind of cool to check in on HorrorFam.com and see how you guys are doing. Uh,
1: yeah, I mean, I'm up, I'm up for that. Um, uh, I... I'm uh, oh, sorry. <laughs> but, nope. <laughs> but, uh, uh, it's it's going to drive the cat crazy I have to close the, the door For a couple hours at a time but, Hang out <laughs> Um but Uh Yeah I, that sounds good Maybe like uh this is like more more talking than I'm used to doing. My my throat's going to be sore after this. but... <laughs> yeah.
0: well, you, well, you know, we'll figure it out. It's the first time I'm talking, so of course we have to go long. But we could always cut it a little bit short, maybe like a half hour, like an insert into another show. We'll figure. We'll talk off air about that. But
1: yeah, have, no, but can, I, I did very yeah. much enjoy talking with you, and I I would I would uh, love to come back. Um, not not coming. not like tomorrow because I'll probably you know be still be. Tired from from talking today, but
0: <laughs> I got it, I got it, I understand. Um, well, well, let me ask you, I got I, I have one. Do you question do you one. like
1: have to like decompress from these shows? Like
0: in the beginning, I did. Yeah, but I get and and the thing about this podcast, and I don't want to toot my own horn, but we started off getting like maybe a hundred downloads a month.
1: Oh and, wow, not bad.
0: Some yeah, but something happened, and now we get like two thousand a day.
1: Oh, dude, what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God.
0: <laughs> we are about 10 months into this thing now, and like we're getting like 50,000 downloads a month. We're getting comments on iTunes. We're getting them all over the place. It's insane. I don't know what's happening.
1: Oh, man. Wow. Really um, cool.
0: <laughs> but I think you should do a podcast. That's
1: awesome. But... Huh?
0: I, th- I think you would be really good if you hosted your own podcast, and I think you should do it and host on
1: Oh, you know what? Um, Heather, um, um, the one who does all the illustrations for us, uh, s- suggested that we do get that going at some point. So maybe. I mean, it's it's hard because you know we all have full-time jobs, and um, it's, just, it's just so hard to find the time.
0: <laughs> oh, you could definitely make it work. You know, it's. Um, I mean, like I work full time. My my wife, luckily, like, I do pretty good at my job. She doesn't have to work, and she stays home with the kids and the dogs, takes care of them, you know, and everything's pretty good right now. So, you know, that's my little blessing in life.
1: Oh, that's wonderful.
0: But I think, I I, I really think with the website and the content that you provide, you guys already have a sponsor I saw on your website. You already have someone paying for a promotional space in your site, which I think is awesome.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we just we, we sell ad space on there.
0: Oh, yeah, I think it's phenomenal. So, you know. I think that's great. And you guys are going to do really well for yourselves. You have a bright future. But I think if you did yourself a little podcast, I think it would help you, you know, mentally. And it would also, you know, help your show get out there. And it will help you become better at talking to people. Because I used to hate talking. But now I'm pretty good at it. I, you know, I like having conversations with people only on the Internet, not in person, obviously. But <laughs> I, I think you'd be really good. I think you should consider it.
1: Oh, well, thank you.
0: Now, I do have one last question for you, though, before we wrap it up and we go into the plugs and, you know, your, your, your links and everything. Okay. This is the one I've been dying to ask you because, you know, horror movies are, um, you know, a, 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 a huge genre, and it's like they come and go. Like, every couple of years a big one will come out, and then a couple of bad ones will come out, and everyone forgets about the genre, and then the big one comes out again. It's like it comes in cycles. And at least that's the way I see it. What do you think it is about the horror movie genre that will never die. And why do you think people need horror in their lives?
1: It's cathartic. Okay. Um it's cathartic. I mean like um and life is well, you and I you and I both know that life in general is terrifying and you know, and it it's like that, um to from some degree or another, uh, for everyone. Like, um, we all have, you know, horrifying moments in our lives. We're just, you know, and, um, it's just, you know, like, no matter how bad of a day you had, you can go and watch a horror movie and be like, well, at least I'm not having a bad a day as that guy, you know? <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> This guy just got a freaking machete through his forehead.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, well, at least I'm not that guy. You know, it's like, so it's very cathartic in that sense, and also just um, uh, a lot of horror movies and a lot of sci-fi movies. Like they use, um, they take uh, things that everyone can relate to, and um, and a lot of the time uh, are prevalent in society in general and just sort of amplify them and take them to the next level. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's just,
0: yeah, no, I agree with you. And, and I do think that there's something about the human brain where when you're watching something, uh, you could be watching like paranormal activity or Blair witch where like your brain kind of drifts off. And it happens to me with my mental illness where I can be driving on the road and I'll just kind of zone out. And before I realize it, I'm parked and I'm where I'm supposed to be. And I'm like, how the hell did I get here? I think that happens when people are watching a horror movie and your brain kind of goes in the autopilot and just kind of goes where it wants to go. And then by the time you're done with it, you're like, oh, crap, this had an effect on me because that's a place your brain needs to go. I think you need certain things in life like fear, love, uh, hatred, anger. You, you need all these emotions. And I think horror movies fill that void where your brain automatically takes over when you're watching a certain movie that taps into your inner emotion or it just kind of satisfies you in a way and whether you come out of it feeling afraid or happy or whatever you may feel after watching the movie it's something that you need and i think that's what brings people you know that like thing or whatever you want to call it that they need in life that 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 conflict like there's good and evil you need good and evil in life in order to live a fulfilling life obviously and i think horror fills a certain void in people's lives and that's just how I feel about it. You know, like I just think the brain takes it and it does what it wants to do with it. And it just makes you who you are. And that's what I think, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> I know it made, it made like, sense to me. <laughs>
0: well, you know what? We're, we, me and you are in the same wavelength. And I would love to have you on the show again. Miss Lauren Spear from HorrorFan.com. Do you have anything? And I know you have a lot go ahead and throw out some links to everything that you possibly have and don't worry if you forget a couple of them because you're going to send them to me and email and I'm going to post them in the podcast description link so if you forgot something, people are going to find it regardless.
1: Okay, uh, sounds good. Uh, well, obviously, uh, horrorfam.com which is you know H-O-R-R-O-R-F-A-M.com and that's a horror-focused community uh, with a a blog and a forum and uh, all that good stuff. And then uh, if anyone is interested in me uh, personally, uh, they can go to littlezots.com, which is L-I-T-T-L-E-Z-O-T-Z dot com. And I guess I'll I'll send you the link to the the mental the mental illness post that uh, we discussed earlier. And, uh, people can fo- follow uh, me on Twitter at LoveHorrorFam, and uh, I'd I'd love to hear from people. And I I hope that uh, people reach out to me on Twitter or join the forum and <laughs> say okay. hi. <laughs>
0: of course. Well I think that's great. And you want to some if you forgot any of your links, people don't worry because I will post them and on the on the Podbean, iTunes, every everywhere you can find your favorite podcasts, this one of course. All the links will be there. You guys can click on them and find Lauren and everything that she does. Horrorfan.com, God damn it, I love the website. I will be signing up for a forum account immediately after this and I will be a regular contributor. My name hey. will be well, actually, I'm not gonna say my name because I don't want someone to steal it.
1: Oh my, yeah.
0: <laughs> but I'm going to tell you off-air my name's going to be because I don't want people to steal it because I don't want people stealing my identity. God damn it!
1: <laughs>
0: Do you have any final words? Any, anything you want to say to the people, Miss Lauren?
1: Oh, just I I hope everyone enjoyed my ramblings and uh, thank you so so much for uh, having me on the show and uh, giving me this opportunity and um, I'm I'm very grateful and I I hope that uh, people. People out there will listen to this and come and contribute and, you know, uh, start building uh, their horror portfolio and, um, yeah, just, you know, all the artists and, you know, everybody, welcome. Join us.
0: <laughs> well, you never know who's listening, and you know what? I guarantee you, you will be getting some feedback after this episode, because I loved it. I thought it was entertaining, and I can't wait to have you on again, Lauren.
1: Oh, and um, shout out, if I may, to um, my husband, Frank, and uh, Heather Landry, who is the artist who did all of our Horror Fam monsters. So, uh, Horror Frank Fam. And Heather. Monsters.
0: <laughs> Frank and Heather, thank you for all that you guys do. All right, this is the nerd, Lauren. You have a good night. Thanks for coming on the Voices of Misery podcast. I hope to have you on soon.
1: Thank you. I'm sure I will. Just email me.
0: (laughs) Of course, and likewise.
1: Bye-bye.
0: Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's the nerd here. I just wanted to wrap up this fantastic podcast with the amazing Lauren Spear from the Horror cbdmedic.com website with just a little PSA for people that are going through mental illness and pain, such as myself and her as well. There is a fantastic website out there called cbdmedic.com where you can get everything that will help you out with your mental illness, pains, aches, all that shit, things that keep you up at night, not ghosts, not horror, monsters or anything like that, but just the things that regularly affect you in life like anxiety, depression, anger, rage, pains, aches, all that bullshit. Go to CBDmedic.com. I implore you. They have everything from oils, tinctures. They've got uh, oils, all sorts of stuff. Things you can put on yourself and ingest and digest and eat and smoke and vape and all this other stuff that makes you feel like a goddamn human being again. Do you want to take your life back? Do you want to live in pain? Hell no. But yes, to the first one, you do want to take your life back, but you don't want to live in pain. So please go to CBDmedic.com and use the code VOMpodcast, That's VOMPODCAST10 to get 10% off any order. $1, $1, penny $100, $1,000. $1, no matter how big or small your order is, use the code podcast 10 to get 10% off your order. And please tell them the nerd sent you because you will never, ever regret it going to cbdmedic.com because they changed my life and they will change yours too hey everyone this is stevie richards when i'm not doing stevie richards fitness well actually when i am doing stevie richards fitness resistance band training programs i like to listen to my friends on the voices of misery podcast they talk about literally everything and anything some stuff that might offend you so if you're not easily offended don't subscribe because they say whatever is on their minds is actually, actually subscribe, subscribe. Anyway, you might learn something and check them out anywhere you can download and listen to your favorite podcast. And of course, check them out at voicesofmisery.podbean.com.